early November delivered two potentially game-changing announcements for the ride-sharing industry in New York as Uber and Lyft agreed to a $328 million wage theft settlement stemming from complaints that they forced their drivers to pay taxes and fees meant for passengers and also agreed to new compensation standards for their drivers operating outside of New York City. Additionally, Uber is going to start investing into unemployment benefits for its drivers as part of an agreement with the governor. To discuss the shifting landscape, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Shannon Liss Reardon, a labor attorney who has brought a variety of lawsuits against gig economy businesses such as DoorDash, Uber, and Lyft. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So the state attorney general's office argued that Uber and Lyft were improperly collecting taxes and fees from drivers as opposed to having the passengers pay these. What are the costs that weren't being essentially passed down? And from the driver's perspective, why was it wrong for them to be shouldered with that burden? So this is a, a really historic settlement that the attorney general reached. It applies to a couple of particular deductions that Uber was making, Uber and Lyft were making from their driver's pay, including certain taxes that were supposed to be paid by passengers. And there was also this black car fund, which also was supposed to be paid by riders, but but was being taken out of the driver's pay. And when you say supposed to be, is this something that's written down in law and they were violating it? Is it the the spirit of the fees as they were created? Can you elaborate? Yes, I think it's the way that that fund was originally set up and also in the terms that Uber had with its drivers. um, I believe it indicated that it was going to be paid by the riders and then Uber wasn't complying with those terms. And what does the monetary settlement mean for the impacted drivers? Is there a potential for them to be made whole for past costs, or is this supposed to just begin to right some of the damage in the past? Well, I don't know the the specifics of what Uber's complete exposure was for this. Typically, when you have a settlement, there's an agreement to pay something that is not 100% of what was owed. So I don't know what portion was negotiated out as part of the settlement. But I will say that this is one of the largest, if not the largest settlement I've seen with these companies. And I think it's part of a trend of states getting more aggressive and going after these these so-called gig economy companies that have really been doing whatever they want to do for as long as they've been in existence. Well, yeah. Do you feel like this is part of a overall environmental shift with more protections and oversight for the industry? I mean, it's it's an important move in that direction. This has been basically a war that's been fought for a decade now. I started suing Uber and Lyft and all these other gig economy companies 10 years ago now, back in 2013. The principal issue that workers have had and workers advocates have had with these companies has been the company's classification of these workers as independent contractors. So there has been a lot of litigation in the courts over that issue and a number of attorneys general across the country, including in California and Massachusetts, are pursuing claims against these companies for that. So this particular investigation and settlement that the New York attorney general just reached the settlement on is on is on a slightly different issue. It's another way of getting money back into the pockets of these workers, and, and they also got some additional benefits for them going forward. 
Well, sticking with that idea of independent contractors versus employees, on the same day of the Attorney General's announcement, the governor uh, announced that Uber had reached an agreement to contribute toward unemployment benefits of its drivers. What do you see as the, I guess, larger symbolic significance of that? And then also, what is the potential literal significance to drivers of having the company chip in for their unemployment benefits? Well, that was a very welcome development because, of course, one of the things that drivers don't have when they are misclassified as independent contractors is access to unemployment funds when they lose their jobs. They also don't have things like workers' comp if they get injured on the job or other basic pay protections. So that is another thing we've seen some states doing, like New Jersey did it recently, um, going after these companies to make sure they're making contributions to unemployment funds. And I, I was very I was very happy to see that announcement by the governor. Uh, the New York Court of Appeals, New York's highest court, just recently reached a ruling that the Postmates drivers should be entitled to unemployment. So, you know, there's a lot that's going on in the courts. There's a lot of litigation and rulings. And I believe that as a legal matter, all of these workers should be classified as employees and have the full benefit of employees. And we shouldn't have to be fighting for these issues and these rights one by one. But unfortunately, because of the way these companies have relied on arbitration clauses to block private enforcement of our laws around the country, um, it's put a huge responsibility on state governments to enforce these rules because states aren't blocked by arbitration agreements the way private parties are. This is what I've been focused on for much of the last decade is doing private litigation against these companies to get drivers the rights and benefits they're entitled to. But because of the U.S. Supreme Court's rulings over the last decade, allowing companies to get away with using arbitration agreements, when private attorneys file these cases, they have to go one by one through arbitration rather than in a traditional class action. State governments, however, are not limited that way. So we so we've represented thousands of drivers around the country now. But the best we can do is get results for them one by one, like back pay, whereas state governments have the ability to go after a company uh, like the attorney general did here, get get a huge reimbursement of fees for a lot of people and make changes going forward. So that's why the system really puts so much of the responsibility now in the hands of state government actors. Well, it seems like aside from some actions taken during the peak of the pandemic to provide employee benefits, most of the benefits secured by the drivers or workers in the gig economy have come as the result of legal settlements. So do you think that's the way to continue to pursue these employee or worker protections? Or or is there a place for state legislatures to get involved and begin defining and classifying these workers and their rights more specifically? Well, that has been the big issue over these last years. Frankly, The law in a number of states, I think, makes these workers already employees if if the law were actually to be followed. The problem is, is these companies have just been flouting the law since the beginning of their existence. So, for example, in Massachusetts and California, 
the law and court rulings make pretty clear that they are already employees. And this New York Court of Appeals ruling regarding Postmates that I just mentioned, I think makes it pretty clear in New York as well. So I think the hard work really needs to be done at the enforcement level to make sure that our laws are enforced as they are written. There's been a lot of discussion about potential legislative changes. I mean, there's something to be said for tightening up laws to make them even more clear. But but I think the problem is, is that these companies have just been playing a game where they're doing everything they can to save costs by not recognizing their workers as employees. It, it hurts the workers. It hurts state governments because it deprives the state of, of very important tax revenues. And it hurts the society in general because we're all paying for the costs of these companies underpaying their workers and not providing them basic wage protections that that all other workers are entitled to. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. We've been speaking with Shannon Liss-Reardon. They are a labor attorney. Shannon, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.